This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Melissa Doyle. Welcome to Better Reading. Thank you very much for having me. Oh my gosh, I, I've got a bit of superstar envy. Is no, that what not. you call it? <laughs> no, I hope not. <laughs> Melissa is an award-winning journalist with over 30 years experience and one of Australia's most beloved and well-respected media personalities. She covered many significant events during her role as host of Channel 7 Sunrise and host and senior correspondent of 7 News and Sunday Night. She is currently also weekend breakfast host on the radio station Smooth FM. This is her latest book. It's called 15 Seconds of Brave. Melissa shares the stories of some of the most resilient people she has ever met, using their stories to provide advice for anyone going through a hard time. They are extraordinary stories. Wow. They're incredible people. Mm. I'm glad I could shine a light on them and mm. I'm glad their stories are out there. I'm just the conduit. Mm. I guess as a journalist, you meet so many people, don't you? Yeah. And you often see people at the most traumatic moment of their life. You know, mm. you, I've done stories where I've met them at the toughest time they've ever gone through and their strength is incredible. And there's a, a lot of people in this book that I've kept in my pocket for many years. I have this habit of keeping people after I interview them. It's really hard to sit down and interview somebody about the worst moment in their whole life and then get up and leave and say, thanks very much and never speak to them again. I I've just have to keep in contact mm. with some of them to check in that they're going okay. So there's a few people in this book that I interviewed. Tonya was one, at, you know, not long after the traumas that she went through. So then to speak to her a few years later and find out how she's going was mm. a, a really lovely sort of full circle and know that she's going okay and she could then talk about what she'd been through in a very different way than when we first met and spoke about it. Tell me about Tonya and tell me how the book came about, like when it was that you decided yeah. you're going to put this into writing. It came about in 2020 when we were all thrown up in the air. Um, my favourite word is discombobulated. I felt mm. like everything just got, what on earth is happening? Like a global pandemic, what? Mm. And and I remember I was in the news department then and, you know, there's reports that this could be lasting for three years and we mm. were all hoping that, oh, they've got that wrong, it'll be done mm. and dusted in six months. And everybody went through a degree of change. Some people, it was more extreme, whether it was illness, whether they lost jobs, they were cut off from family, either within Australia or overseas. Everybody had some, it was it affected them somehow. And I just remember thinking, how how do we, what do we do? Who do we talk to? How do we feel? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a journalist, I'm a storyteller. So I naturally gravitated back to some of the people that I had known over the years who had been through a hell of a lot of change and, and what it was that got them through. And it was really important to speak to them honestly about their experiences. You know, not for a second does anybody ever say it was easy, but, mm. you know, what can we all learn from them? 
I want to go back a little bit. Uh, firstly, tell me about Tonya's story. Um, just touch on that. And then I want to go back to how you came to journalism. And I'll, I've got a que- few questions mm-hmm. around that. Um, Tonya I met when I was working on Sunday night. And Tonya's father, Robert, had been murdered. Mm. And Tonya lived in Queensland. Her dad lived in Adelaide. Oh, yes. And, yeah. And so her dad had been murdered, which in itself is a horrific experience. Then three weeks later, Tonya's daughter was charged with murder and found guilty. So her daughter, Brittany, had murdered her grandfather. And so Tonya's had to endure the double tragedy of losing her father and effectively losing her daughter because she's in jail for the next, you know, however long. And when I first met her, she was so broken. You know, she was really just at at that lowest point of her life and you can't even imagine. And how she rebuilt her life, how Mm. she picked herself up and kept going and what she did, how she got there. I was just really fascinated with how when you are so absolutely devastated and everything in your life is gone, how do you get up the next day? What do you do? What is it? And, you know, she talked about she music helped her. You know, she took herself back to the 80s when she mm. was a young woman finding herself for the first time and she'd listened to particular bands and songs that she loved. And so she found herself doing that and almost starting again, you know, mm. trying to tap back into who she was when she was young and exploring the world mm. and almost, yeah, starting again. She, mm. she incredibly strong woman. You know what I think is so emotional about some stories is that just recently, Saturday night, I had dinner with this businessman, you know, this lovely, beautiful couple, very wealthy, very affluent, got business, hotels, all sorts of money that I don't, wouldn't even know how much. And I was in the kitchen, I was making falafel and he walked in, he walked over to me to chat with me while I was in the kitchen and, and he said, how are you going, you know, post-COVID and how's the business? I said, well, you know, I think I've been really lucky. You know, we, we managed to get through it quite easily because people took to reading. I said, and so how are you? Just in a very frivolous way. I don't know. I wasn't concentrating until he said, I lost half my fortune. And I was like, oh, God, I was so shocked at that. Mm. And I said, wow, so how are you about that? And he said, well, it's just money. Mm. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that is a different attitude to life. He said, well, I've still got half my other fortune. And I thought for some people that Mm. can tip you over to the edge Mm. to I don't know where. But I thought it really made me think and then – having a read at my research notes to talk to you, the difference between losing money or losing fortune or losing your house versus losing people, Mm. losing family, losing connections. And that is really uh, grief in very kind of different ways, isn't it? And perspective, I think. You know, we... When you're in the the eye of the storm, and I think it's important to never compare somebody's trauma to somebody else's. Mm. It's all relative. If it's what you're going through and it's excruciating and it's hurting you, it's not bigger or smaller than somebody else's pain. It's your pain. Mm. So although when you're in the eye of the storm, yes, it's the most traumatic thing, Mm. but there is that, that moment of when someone comes through something, all of these people talk about choosing how they felt and how Mm. they dealt with it. And that's that moment, I think, of perspective of saying, okay, this is what I've been through, but this is what I do have. Not Mm. not focusing on what they don't have, um, Mm. but what they do have. It's really interesting you say that because I hadn't thought about that. My mother died in April and, you know, I'm still suffering terrible grief. 
She was 83. She died of natural... Co- mm. you, know, you know, I mean, mm. of course, she could she's have lived longer. But she's your mum, yeah. right? But there's six of us in the family. And perspective is interesting because I'm struggling with this at the moment. But one of my sister's response, she was so crazy shocked that it was like mum just just got run over by a car. And I couldn't understand that at the time. I thought, we've known that this is happening. You know, we've been caring for her for some time. I was surprised at the level of shock. Whereas for me, it was an acceptance on the day. And then how am I going to live my life Mm -hmm. without her? And that is really, you're right, it's perspective. I hadn't thought about that. And I think too, maybe it's... The thing I took from talking to the people that I interviewed mm. was they had control of where the, how they were going forward and how they felt. Grace mm. is Ugandan and she was abducted by the Lord's Resistance Army when she was 12. She was a 12-year-old mm. girl mm. and she was held captive. She was forced to be a child bride. Mm. She was taught how to use a machine gun and made into a child soldier. Horrific five years of her life that I can't even imagine Mm. what that would be like. And she escaped at 17. And she is the one that says, yes, she has bad days and tough times. And, you know, don't get me wrong, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. But she is the one that said, I choose how I feel. I choose to be happy. And I thought Mm. if somebody who has been through that can Mm. have the power to choose to be happy, oh my gosh, Mm. you got to listen, you got to take that Mm. away from her story. And so I think it's like anything, isn't it? You know, Mm. maybe that's the difference between somebody who Mm. crumbles and somebody who Mm. rises out of the ashes is how, you know, how much control you have over Mm. how you look at something, how you choose Mm. to remember someone mm. you love who's no mm. longer with you and, 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 and how, how you, you choose to respond, I think. Yeah. yeah. Now, I want to know how you got here. Tell me about where you grew up. Tell me why journalism was your <laughs> choice of career. <laughs> I want to know that. I grew up in Sydney and wanted to be an astronaut when I was a little kid and oh, wow. <laughs> grew wow. out of that pretty fast. I think I wanted to be a journalist from, oh my gosh, I reckon I was 12 or 13. Yeah. And... That's all I wanted to do. Why? I, because I was just, if something's happening somewhere in the world, I want to be there. Mm-hmm. I remember watching the America's Cup mm-hmm. and thinking, I want to be there, you know, and, and experiencing those emotions. And the, the most amazing stories I've ever covered have been moments in history that I felt so privileged to be there as a representative mm-hmm. of viewers or listeners and mm-hmm. to be able to tell them what it sounds like and what it feels like and why it matters. So... To, to tell those stories, that's all I ever wanted to do mm. and I feel so lucky that I got to do it mm. and I've I've been privileged to work across different mediums and do it. You How know, did telly. you get to do it? Tell me what your next step oh, was. Oh, I went to uni yeah. in Bathurst and did mm-hmm. communications mm-hmm. and then, this is going to show my age, um, mm. had a list of every news director around the country and would go down to the public phone box every single mm. day and ring every single one of them and annoy mm. the hell out of them all until finally a lovely news director at Wind Television in Canberra yeah, wow. said, oh my God, stop calling me. Okay, <laughs> come down for an interview. And um, I drove down and and well, got the bus down and had a first interview and got a so cadetship. I- did you want to do TV then and not not 
What did they call? What did I did you broadcast call? journalism at uni. Right. I thought if I didn't do telly, I wanted to do radio, but I just like seeing it. I right. just had this okay. thing about yeah, if, if something's visual. happening, yeah. yeah, and 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 a picture. You know, yeah. you, you think of some of the most beautiful still photographs over history, how powerful they are. Oh, I still do it. The yeah, gardening the other totally. day. It, I don't know if you saw that. There, um, they had some kind of awards and five photos won, yeah. and every one of them, I just pondered over it for ages. They're so powerful, yeah. and yeah. For me, that combination of Mm -hmm. words and the visual. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Um, And for some people, really they can only communicate through pictures. You know, I think that that's really important. You know, whereas I'm a reader, I prefer to read an article. Uh But for a lot of people, that doesn't work. I also found it a lot. Like it was, it was really interesting for me writing this book because I'd been so used to doing interviews for television where – you didn't have to spell everything out because yeah. somebody's facial expression would say so much mm. or the pauses would be scream louder than anything. Absolutely. But I couldn't rely on any of that. So then I found myself having to fill in those blanks with words, which I'd never had to do. So that mm. was a whole different experience. But then the flip side meant that I felt like the talent probably shared a lot more, mm. particularly of vulnerable tough moments because they didn't have a television camera sitting in front of them and Mm. being scrutinised. So I think they probably felt a little bit more comfortable. I interviewed um, an author the other day and we were talking about television versus writing because he's now taken to writing. And he said, now I can get into people's brains. Whereas with TV, I wasn't able to do that. And I thought to myself, I think some journalists do do that in the way that they cut and paste stories on TV. Yeah, you I think feel it depends the emotion. what you do. Yeah. yeah, like long form storytelling. Sunday night, where you have, you know, we would sometimes a whole story would take the entire hour, mm. and you would you were able to let the talent say so much without often saying anything, mm. and just watching how they reacted to particular questions. And yeah, mm. I always found that was what I wanted to do was to, I remember being fascinated by people that I wasn't particularly a fan of. So for example, I remember interviewing Bernard Tomic many, many years ago the after he'd done player. the, yeah, yeah, and he had that, remember that big Wimbledon yes. meltdown yes. tantrum <laughs> thing? And I flew to Miami and interviewed him directly after that. And I was fascinated because I'm thinking, who are you? What What's what's make you, what, what is it that yeah. makes you do what you do and behave the way that mm. you do? And he was a really, really interesting interview because he kept saying so much, but I felt like they were just words. Mm. And in the middle of it, I had a laptop and I opened it and I played a little 10-second clip of an interview that someone had done with him when he was about 10 and he talked about wanting to be the best tennis player in the world and he started crying. Wow. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm getting there. You know, I'm getting there. I'm yeah. finally peeling back some of these layers. So... Yeah, I think it's it's. I'm fascinated watching people's face. And, yeah, you know, sometimes you hear the the media training and they give you the answers that mm. they think they're meant to give. Mm. But if you just keep going, you can get down to the next mm. layer. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, so you harassed the guy in Canberra. <laughs> I did harass him, yeah. Got, Got a job. job as a cadet journalist there and, uh, and the weather girl. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was a weather girl, girl by night and yeah. journo by day. Right. And then um, went I've to... I've got a question around yeah. weather people. Are they really meteorologists? Oh, well, I wasn't, no. no. But many are. Right. But they always say if they're a meteorologist or not. Okay. Yes. Okay. So and I was weather presenter. Different... But everything comes from the bureau. Like I yeah. was, you know, it's not like I was walking outside and, you know, licking my <laughs> finger and seeing what direction the wind was. It was all coming from the Bureau of Meteorology, which was always really funny when people would pull me up in the street and say, you said it was going to rain and it's not. It's like, oh, <laughs> Make Do it up, you know. It's not me. Um, Do people yeah. really totally? Do that? Yeah, they'd blame me if the weather wasn't oh, what wow, it was meant that's to be. Very funny. Um, and then I worked in Canberra. Then I went to Prime Television, and then I got a job. Same, I quit my job in Canberra and knocked on the door of Channel Seven in Sydney and said, "Hi, can I come and make the coffees and stack the papers?" Oh wow! And so you weren't even asking for a job. No, well, I kind of was, but in a nice yeah. way, just saying I'm not basically leaving until something might come up. I'll yeah. just hang here in the corner. And then, um, so I freelanced there for six months and then a full-time position became available for a reporter and I was Johnny on the spot. And you were, you've you been there ever since? I was at seven for 25 years. Yeah. Wow. Like that's half my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was, and I did a lot of different programs over those years. So I felt really lucky. I got a, I got a taste of a lot of different experiences. Yeah. And which would you, I mean, you don't have to tell me this, but which would be your favourite? Um, did you have a favourite? No, yeah. because I loved, I loved Sunrise. I did that for 14 yeah. years. And the, the, what time did you have to I get up? I used to get up at three. Yeah, that's pretty ugly. <laughs> and what time would you go to bed? Oh, eight. Yeah, seven thirty, eight o'clock. I would happily have gone to bed at five o'clock if I could, but I had little children, so that wasn't going to work. But you know, it was extraordinary. And live television is just the most adrenaline rush, mm. fabulous thing to do, especially if it's live breaking news and mm. you're standing somewhere and you're just doing rolling coverage and you know discovering what's happening as we all are at the time. But then I went to Sunday night, which I loved because it was just that long form storytelling where you could really mm. dig deep into an issue and investigate. And have a sleep in. Yeah, have a sleep in. <laughs> so, you know, very, very, it's like you can't really compare them, but no. I feel like just different skills and I just enjoyed, I liked it when I went to Sunday night to learn something new. Mm. It was entirely different from what I'd done at Sunrise. So mm. I kind of like trying new things. I like challenging myself. I like learning So things. would you say that you're a, a morning person or a night? Oh, definitely morning. Oh, yeah, gosh. I'm always up early. Yeah. I mean, I am too, but three yeah. is a bit too early. Yeah, that, yeah well, yeah. that's <laughs> the middle of the night, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Even now I get up at, I don't know, I love pottering into the kitchen at 6.30, make my coffee, let the yeah. dog out. Everyone else is still asleep. I really like having that time quietly and to Absolutely. myself. And then I totally fall asleep on the couch at Half past nine, mm. if I get that far. I was in France mm. recently sharing a house with some friends. We were on holidays mm -hmm. and no one got up before nine or ten o'clock. Oh, my gosh, half the day's gone. And I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, really? It. Well, it was my me time. Oh, yeah. So I would get up early. See, I oh, want to be out exploring. Yeah. Well, I was up pottering in the house and swimming and I just thought this time is always so yes. precious. I love yeah. it. And I love that time of day, particularly in summer. It smells nice. Mm. And it's and you hear the birds. Yeah, the sounds, even yeah. the 
garbage trucks and I don't know, I, I do, in, I'd much rather the waking up than the other yeah, end of the Yeah, yeah, same, same, same. Okay, so then you're at Channel 7 for that, that many years. I want to talk about celebrity because you are, we talked about this before we started recording, you are highly recognisable, you are well respected, there is, I think, you know, um, there's a feeling out there that you can be trusted. You've never been tainted in your reputation, which is kind of almost a miracle when you're on television, right? How do you think that comes about? Um, I hate the word celebrity. I don't think I'm not not a celebrity. I have a job that I love and I feel very privileged to have. And with that comes a profile. Mm. And I've always felt that is such a responsibility. Mm. Um, If people trust me, I'm so grateful because it means I get to tell the stories Mm. that I do, such as these ones in the book, that if Mm. people feel comfortable Mm. that I'm going to do the right thing by them, then there's nothing more valuable Mm. as far as my career Mm. than that. Because, you know, there are a lot of people on TV that I would never tell my personal story to, but I would to Melissa Doyle. You know, there's a difference, isn't there? Yeah, I think it's also a little bit how you choose to live your life. Mm. You know, I go home, I've got a couple of kids and a dog and a house that feels like it's never completely tidy and I am totally normal. You know, most of my my circle are friends that I've had forever and mm. so I live a normal life. Mm. I, I think you can choose to live in that world of celebritydom if that's your thing mm-hmm. or not. You know, it's like people that complain about being papped. Well, don't go to the fancy restaurant on Woolloomooloo Wharf if you want to be discreet. Yes, Um, there are those people that don't want to be papped um, and very famous people that complain about being a celebrity or whatever you want to call it. What about your children's perception? How do you keep that real with them? Oh, my gosh, I'm just mum who cooks their dinner and, yes, it's never been a big thing in our house. It's also all they've ever known. I was on telly before I had my kids. Um, I was doing Sunrise when I had them. So I guess they've grown up in that world and that's all they know. But, yeah, we've sort of kept them fairly, Mm I wouldn't say protected, but I haven't really put them front and centre, not certainly while they were little. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's, 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 it's just, I don't know how to explain it. It's a funny thing. I think you can choose as much of that world as you want to be involved with yeah. or as little. And, mm. you know, I've always looked at it. It's my job. Mm. It's a job that comes with mm-hmm. a profile. Yeah, yeah. But I don't for a second ever think I'm a celebrity. Do you think there were challenges in terms of male versus female? Do you think that the uh, culture was at all affected by that? Because I think there's been great change um, in television, just really over Mm -hmm. since Me Too maybe or, you know, over the past five or six years. Did you get a sense of that when you were there? Did you ever have feel that you were working harder than, say, men? No, no, no. I, I think that's a fantastic. Yeah, culture we all, there. we yeah. all work hard. Yes, it's probably a traditionally a fairly masculine mm. field, and a lot of the bosses are male. Mm. I would like to see more women rising up through the ranks into leadership positions who can probably make change for younger women. But I also felt like I had the power to make some minor changes along the way as a working mum, working through pregnancies, you know, being pregnant on air, coming back to work with small children and, and, 
you know, hopefully in some very small way, paving the way for some women that have come along behind me with children and shown that it can be done. You can juggle, you know, mm. full-time work and having a baby, which mm. women the world over have done forever, but some mm. some industries and, it takes hard. a little bit of time. Yeah. yeah, it's hard, but I also never shied away from that. And I was really yeah. open with viewers and being honest, going, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm puffy-eyed today, but I'm exhausted because I've been up all night with two babies. So yeah, definitely I think there's been moments along the way where... Mm. It has, but I've never felt like that has – I just focus on my work. I just mm. hope I'm the, I am do what I do to the best I can, mm. whether I'm male or female. Mm. But, yeah, of course yeah, it's yeah. been – There's a lovely gentleness yeah. about you as well. Okay, I want to talk about then at what point did you decide that you wanted to do more work and write a book? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at not doing very much. Yeah, obviously. Um, <laughs> So I finished up with seven in 2020 and, like everyone, found myself at home. And why did you finish up? Oh, my contract was up and the Sunday night that I worked on got um, axed at the end of 2019 Mm -hmm. and then I came back and did some time in news during COVID, early days of news, and then my contract was up. They just didn't have anything for me. So Mm -hmm. they let me go, which took a bit of adjusting. After 25 years of working in one place, I felt a little bit institutionalised. So that took a bit of of readjustment. And like anyone who goes through a job change, no matter what you do, it's the same, whether you're in television or, um, you know, whatever your job might be. Yeah, I, I sort of had to sit back and think, all right, well, this is who I am. What do I want to do? What's mm. next? Mm. Um, where do I go from here? So, the What's bo- career part two? Yeah, well, it's just still taught storytelling, Yeah, but in other forms. Mm. So I do radio, mm. that's connecting with listeners. This is connecting with readers. Mm. TV's connecting with viewers. It's still storytelling mm. and just in another form. And I feel like, you know, you probably know this better than anyone given what you do. It's, it's I think, one of the most basic parts of being a human being. It's what we do. We connect with one another. We tell one another stories. You and I are sitting here sharing. You tell me about your mum. We talk about things we've done in our lives. It's just what we do. It's the very nature of who we are. So this is just another way of of being able to do it. But writing is different, I think, in terms of what you've been doing. And writers often say, I don't write. So... I'm always in awe of people that can make the time and carve the time out during the day. You know, I speak to authors that write from 5am to 7am and I speak to authors that write from midnight to 2 and both those I was definitely the early morning one. Yeah, definitely (laughs) the 5am writer. don't work for me. (laughs) But it is a different discipline. So you had some ideas in your head and you thought, okay, I'm going to put this... I'm going to write it down. Is that how the process yes. came about? Yes. Yeah. And when I started putting the stories together and first showed um, beautiful Sophie Ambrose at Penguin, uh, the feedback was, her. this looks a little like a television script. And I was like, okay, well, that probably makes mm. sense given that's what I've been doing for 30 years. Mm. Um, and we just had to massage it into something that it is now. And mm. I've had a wonderful team. Craig Henderson, the most fantastic editor, I, I had to learn new skills. But having said that, I actually love learning. I'm I'm that person that will try mm. something different. I really like the title, 15 <laughs> Seconds of Brave. It gives me goosebumps every time I read it because, and I think that the, the book is that, it's not about famous people. It's yeah. not about it's all of us, isn't it? I, yeah, and I don't want—I don't want to hear about famous people all the time. Like, who yeah. says they're the only people that matter? There are a few people in the book that some readers might recognise. Yeah. Danny Abdullah is one of them. There's a few tell, names. Tell me that, about Danny. Danny is uh, the father. He, mm. he and his wife, they lost their three children and their niece in that horrific 
crash in Oatlands. He's remarkable. I was fascinated by Danny. His wife, Layla, is just, she's the most pure, godly woman I think I've ever met. So her capacity for forgiveness was just there on her sleeve ready. He intrigued me as a, a young man growing up in the gangs of Western Sydney, he was a little bit more tough and, you know, vengeance was kind of his code amongst the, the young lads that he used to hang out with and he's very open about talking about that. And then when they went through what they did to come out so publicly and forgive the driver was remarkable. I think mm. I'm safe to say not a single one of us mm. thought, oh, my gosh, I, I don't think I could do that. Mm. I think we all, all were shocked. Um, and I was just intrigued why why they had to and how that looked. It's mm. one thing to say something. It's another thing to live it. Mm. So how And does... they said it a lot, didn't yeah. they? Very early on. She I said it the next day. Did she? Like right. I just that, yeah. how do you do that? But then like I say, to say to say something mm. is so different from then living it and mm. encouraging their children to feel it and all mm. of those people around them. There was a mob that went to the hospital the night that the accident happened and the driver was in hospital and there was a mob there baying for blood, out for vengeance, and he called them all off. Danny called them all off. I mean, that is just mm. incredible. So I was really fascinated to find out how they came to that point mm. and why it mattered and what we could learn from that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, the title comes from the last story, a little, boy, a little boy called Noah. So I had a different working title as I was writing it and then one day it just hit me. Noah is now 12. He was mm. born with a terminal illness and um, the doctors basically said to his mum and dad, he may not live, you know, might be mm. six months, might be 12 months. He's still alive to this day. He's gorgeous and he has to go into hospital a lot for blood tests and operations and things. And every time he does, he says to his mum, okay, I, I can be brave for 15 seconds. I know, don't cry, don't, you'll make me cry. And then Kat says to him, but, you know, what if it takes longer? And he says, well, I can probably find another 15 seconds, mm. but that's all I've got. And he's just remarkable. And his mum, Kat, has the most incredible outlook on their life because she looks at this, she calls it living grief, mm. where she has this beautiful, precious little boy with her, for now. She doesn't know how long. She doesn't know what day will be his last. She doesn't want to know. So they live their life every day, treasuring every moment. And I just thought that was something that probably mm. could do us all good to read. Just a little reminder mm. that mm. treasure every single they are moment. They all little reminders. They yeah. are. And, you know, I hope they're little reminders, as we were saying earlier about perspective in, in terms of how we look at life, how we change mm. things. Like you can be in a hole. I find when I'm flat, when I'm down, I need a story. Mm -hmm. Like I need to hear about somebody else mm -hmm. and how they overcame where they were mm. at. I think that really works for me. And I want it to be real. Like I don't want to read one of those beautiful calendars with mm. pictures of puppy dogs mm. that tells me to, you know, I yeah. don't know, go and sit in the sunshine. I mean, that's just mm. doesn't work for no. me or yeah. most of us. I wanted yeah. it to be... Like real, and you've got to be honest about the hard, grubby, messy parts mm. because you can't go through those experiences and then suddenly sit in the sunshine and life is good. It just doesn't work that way. Well, they've got to be real because when you're reading them, I've felt at every point that could happen to any of us. Yes, yeah. And that gives you greater empathy, I think, you know. Yeah. How did you choose? Like, did, were you torn between, like, how did you decide which stories you were going to tell? Um, there was a couple that we didn't include. One was just simply so 
sad and mm. tough and harrowing. I tried very hard to balance it. So, you know, one person in there is struggling with anxiety and mental health. One person mm. is struggling with alcohol addiction. There's uh, somebody in there struggling with, with grief. So they've all got quite different. One woman broke her back and she's now a quadriplegic. So she's struggled with her whole life being upended and entirely changed. One woman, Rachel, is married to Kurt McGrath, who lost his legs in Afghanistan. Mm. I was really fascinated to talk to somebody who wasn't the subject of the mm. trauma or the accident, but the loved one, you know, and, and when... Because that changes yeah, your life as well. When, yeah. how, do you, how do you turn up for the person that you love when they've gone through something and are you allowed to feel the same feels that they are? You know, what do you do? So I just thought that was another perspective. I tried really hard to have so many different stories that maybe as a reader, even if just one of them touches mm. you mm. or if there's one that you have a, a, a connection to and can take their wisdom away, then, you know, that's that's all I want. And were you were you surprised at how willing people were to tell their story? Were you because that often astounds yeah. me when I see people say I on couldn't TV. do it. No, I wouldn't. And I I think I remember Danny and Layla very mm. clearly. And I remember thinking, I don't know, I think I would be in a hole mm. for a couple of months. I don't know how I'd be. Every single one of them said to me, if by telling my story, I can help one other person, then okay. And and that to me is so incredibly mm. powerful and selfless, mm. you know, because it was traumatic for some of these people oh, in the book to, sure. to revisit the most horrible experiences of for their life. Sure. And yeah. and I was I really felt such a duty of care that I had to go gently. A number mm. of them I interviewed over, gosh, 18 months. We mm. did a little bit of an interview, then I'd leave them for a few months and then we'd come back and or they'd message me and say, you know, we had an interview lined up today. I can't do it. I'm just not able to deal with it today or whatever. And and so, you know, I just had to go very, very carefully. I felt like I had such a responsibility to look after them. Mm. But yeah, it, all of them, that was their driver was mm. they knew they potentially had the power to help somebody else, which is just, as I say, so selfless. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. remarkable, yeah. really remarkable. It's a wonderful book. It's called 15 Seconds of Brave. Melissa Doyle, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you for having me and thank you for your yeah, lovely words. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.